Hello, and welcome to the Art of Living Well podcast. I'm Stephanie May Potter, and I'm here with my co-host, Marnie Dotchis-Marmette. We created the Art of Living Well podcast to empower you to live your happiest, healthiest, and most authentic life. Each week, we will bring you inspiring and motivating conversations covering health and wellness topics, including fitness, mindset, food, travel, product reviews, and strategies from a variety of experts, including our own bank of knowledge. We are excited to educate, motivate, and inspire you to change the way you perceive health and discover your art of living well. Get ready to feel inspired. Hey, Stephanie, can you believe that the average mass-produced bottle of wine can contain up to 16 grams of added sugar? I know, that's crazy. That's more than a glazed donut. Oof, she kind of grosses me out. But anyway, we're so excited because we finally found clean crafted wine that we enjoy, that tastes good, and we don't feel like crap the next day. I am loving these Scout and Cellar wines. We've tried several of the different types and all of them taste good, like Marnie said. And we love the fact that there's no added sugar. They're free of chemicals and pesticides. They're grown with organic grapes and sustainable farming practices. And they have very low sulfites, which are one of the things that can often cause the headaches the next day. And, you know, it's summertime, it's patio season. It's so nice to just get outside. If you enjoy having a glass of wine, um, we are super excited to be part of Scout and Cellar. And we do have our online shop. So you just head on over to www.scoutandcellar.com. That's S-C-O-U-T-A-N-D-C-E-L-L-A-R.com slash The Art of Living Well. You can have clean crafted wine delivered to your door. Hello and welcome to episode 37 of The Art of Living Well podcast. Today's guest is Christina Browning. Christina is a licensed realtor in Oregon and she is also a home functionality coach and podcaster and she helps her clients choose the right home and then she molds it specifically to their own family and their needs. She writes and produces her own podcast that's called Home Space and Reason, and it's about home styling, automation, and functionality. You even hear a little bit of history and psychology, so it's really not your typical home podcast. Um, The podcast is really enjoyed by people who like HGTV, making their own space elevated in appearance, organization, and really exploring how home automation can benefit a person. Christina is also a wife and a mother to a seven-year-old boy, and really her passion is helping people create the home that thrives for today and also, you know, for the long haul. So we're super excited to chat with Christina and welcome. And just one more quick request before we start our conversation with Christina. Um, We would love it if you would take two minutes and go over to Apple Podcasts, find the Art of Living Well podcast, and give us a rating and a review. It helps us so much in our own personal ratings for the podcast, and we would greatly appreciate it. And if you screenshot your review and send it over to us. We'd love to read it um, on one of our future episodes. So anyway, 
take a moment, rate and review us, and we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Good morning, Christina. Thank you so much for taking the time for our conversation and for being on our podcast. We're, we're so excited to have you here today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, so just kicking off this conversation, can you start out by sharing a little bit about your background and how you came into your current profession? You and bet. I know you're a home functionality coach, and maybe you can explain to the listeners what exactly that means and how you work with clients. Yeah, you bet. I was actually a news photographer in the days before the economy took a hit in 2008. Um, I freelanced for uh, USA Today and the Oregonian, the Colombian newspaper and other like foodie type magazines. Um, but when things took a turn and there was no more freelance work, I shifted gears to sales actually for a long time, mostly advertising sales. And I kind of always looked longingly over at the real estate section because I've always adored homes, like the design of them, the function of them. I bought my first home at age 24 and I've been going to Street of Dreams since they started basically back in the 90s. So I've kind of been a geek about it this whole time. It just took me a while to realize that I could combine my photography skills and my sales skills into one profession, which was real estate. So I found myself sort of changing the houses when I would photograph them as time went on. Um, and my clients were like, well, I wish I had known you years ago because I would have changed this space and used it in this way like the whole time. But we never thought to do that because when I would photograph them, sometimes that would be weird empty spaces that didn't translate well. So um, originally I went to the Art Institute of Seattle right out of high school. So I have that color and theory and design background. And so when I coined a home functionality coach, it really uses all the things basically I've done all these years and combines the aesthetic bit and the functionality bit. Um, so no matter if you want to sell your home or you've already got the home that you want to be in for a long time, but things aren't working or functioning the way you'd hoped, I can help you no matter what stage you're in. That is, that is so, so cool. cool. <laughs> is that a, I mean, you said you coined the term home functionality coach. So is that like a is that something that you created? I did. I dreamed it up. And I tell you, it's very challenging when you come up with the concept to sell the idea because how do you know you need a thing if you don't know what it exists? <laughs> I, that is so innovative though. And I am wondering right off the bat, do you do this virtually? or I do. Is, how I does do. that work? Yeah. Well, I, it, usually someone has a really tough space. Like the kitchen will butt up against a space that's not quite big enough to be a dining room and it will sit empty or people have weird things in that space because they don't know what to do with it. And so usually I can say, walk me through the general area of where that is in your home and what don't you currently have room for and tell me about your hobbies and the things that light you up and do you have spaces for all of those things? And sometimes I can say, well, why couldn't this be a whole like meditation, yoga mat jam? And sometimes it, the light bulb goes on and they're like, holy cow, I never thought of that. So it really has to do with sort of just getting a different perspective on the space and really stepping back and saying, not really what 
other people should historically do in a space like this, but what should I do in this space so that it suits me and my family the best? Okay. I, I absolutely love this. I think so many times we look at, especially when you're buying a house, well, this is the dining room and this is the family room. And well, that's just what someone, an architect or whoever years ago decided yes. it was going to be. I love, and I've never really heard this before. Um, just thinking about your hobbies and what lights you up and what brings you joy. I don't think enough people focus on that when they're building or remodeling or even just decluttering and clearing out their house and trying to figure out what to do with a room and transitions and that sort of thing. So Absolutely. I think it's really important. That's why when I started recording my podcast, I really thought it was important to ask questions about your space and about your reason. And, and the question is to the listener in, in sort of reevaluating what their space is being used for, how it's being used. And does that make sense? Because just to your point, just because you moved into a space or a home that has a formal dining room, and by the way, a lot of times the only thing that makes it a formal dining room is that there's a chandelier in the middle of the room. Why, why does that have to be how that space functions? It takes no time to take that chandelier out and you can absolutely rethink it to be whatever it is that, that, that you need. I mean, throw up a bar and a big mirror and you could have a full on bar three studio in there without having to leave your home or your kid could do Taekwondo right there on, on a zoom call if they need to. I mean, it could, it could absolutely be more useful and used every day. Um, you know, if you have an elderly parent living with you, maybe they have to do some sort of physical therapy and it could be used for that too. I mean, there's so many layers of those questions and sort of reevaluating your space. I, I like to call it flex space. What might be used as a dining room today in five years can morph to be, you know, a bar three studio or physical therapy space. Oh, I love that. And you also, um, I know you have your own podcast and you talk about how, you know, everybody's basic emotions kind of reside in the home and that's where life happens. So what process do you suggest we go through to determine what emotions are connected to our homes and kind of um, the impact that our homes actually have on our health and happiness? Well, seeing how we are indoors so much of the time, like we sleep here every night. Um, and my job is to partly come in and analyze what's important to you and help you align your home to the things that you value and your passions so that your home supports you and is more of a haven instead of a source of stress or daily anxiety. I think Part of my podcast is to encourage like introspection and really asking yourself some questions about what's behind the decisions you've made or maybe why, why haven't you made more distinct decisions about your space? Because if you moved in and lived in it exactly how it was being lived in before you without really asking, does this make sense for me, then, you know, that, then maybe it's time to rethink that. So, for example... One thing that I always um, talk about is really thinking back to your own childhood or your early years and identify memories that are pleasant that pop into your head. And like, what was thing, what was something about the home that you lived in that, ga that gave you joy? Um, and I'm going to put this into context 
for me, so it makes sense to you, like I remember the smell of lilacs at my grandparents' farm. And so identifying those little bits can help you capture some of those subtle pieces that you could then incorporate into your current yard now. So, and then I would layer that and by saying, where could you plant that where your windows could be open so that you can even enjoy the smell from indoors when the weather is nice. So it's kind of layering that question about what things resonate with you and then how could you best use that to make choices about your own space that will be very subtle but impact you for the long haul. Oh my gosh. You know, I think this is really important because I don't think enough times we look inside. So it's, you know, Marty and I talk a lot about listening to our body and that's really sort of what you're doing. Like listen to your heart, listen to what brings you joy and also where you want to spend your time and making sure that you have the functionality that you need as well. Um, so what are, what do you think are the, just like the benefits of doing this whole process that you're describing? I think a lot of times people don't understand where the rub is. For example, if they say, I really hate doing laundry, <laughs> a lot of us can identify. <laughs> <laughs> Who likes doing laundry is what I want to know. <laughs> um, but have you ever actually thought about why and broken it down into parts? So I think that bit is important because if you hate the room where you do laundry in, maybe it's that you don't have good lighting, or maybe it's because you never even paid attention to the fact that you don't have a place to fold clothes. Or maybe it's the darn washer that keeps repeating the spin cycle and doesn't quite get your clothes clean. Those things can all be remedied, but you have to sort of take inventory of what part of doing laundry gives you the most rub so that you can address those things piece by piece and make it less sucky. Can I say that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so once you eliminate the bits of rub, I think generally you function more at ease in your home. So you're dreading the chores less and you're enjoying your space more. So essentially that's to me what a healthy space is, is when you can look around and generally feel like you like being in that space, you know where things are and you can count on them being there when you go back next time. I think natural light also has a big, um, I'm gonna start that one over. I think natural light in a space really plays a big part in how a space feels. I'm sure you guys agree with that. I think in order for space to be healthy and support your passions, there has to be enough light. Otherwise you feel like you're a hermit and you're living mm -hmm. in a hole. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so does your process involve a lot of remodeling then? It can sometimes. I think it depends on the home and the long-term goal of the client. I don't necessarily believe in blowing up a whole space unless they say, I feel like this whole thing is dated and I just kind of want to start from scratch. Then by all means. But I do think knowing all of the choices and all of the possibilities first before you make the decision to really do a big remodel is important. Mm -hmm. So um, 
you know, you said you went to school for design as well. So I'm assuming you have an eye for decorating, would you say? Or do you usually bring like somebody in to help with that aesthetic piece or how does that work? Nope. I'm a package deal. And that's why I think the home functionality coach sort of kind of came to me as like, this is all the things that I do wrapped into one person. So color theory and imagining how that can play in a room um, is hugely important. Does it speak to you? I mean, there's some people that are just all about the gray and the white. And at some, <laughs> at some point, it doesn't have any personality anymore. So you really right. need to say, you know, what will speak to me and my family and what will feel fresh and new? But, um, you know, without making it look like it's an institution, I think that's important too. And does that go all the way down to pillows on a couch? Absolutely does. Absolutely does. I think accessories are a really big deal um, and choosing them wisely, not just saying, gosh, I need some pillows and going out and buying the first three pillows that you see. Um, I think making sure that you've got, you know, some consideration in there. I, I don't know if you've ever read the little book of Huga. No, no, I have never it's, heard of it. Tell us more. It's yeah. outstanding. Um, I unfortunately can't quote the author's name at the moment, but um, I've read it and enjoy it because it's really about the aesthetic of incorporating natural things into your home and how much more at ease and at peace that you feel when you have elements of wood and elements of leather and greenery and things like that in a space. So when you refer to the pillows, I always want to make sure that I've got some sort of a texture happening and if possible, some sort of greenery going on in a space. I think all of that is really important. And I would definitely uh, post a link there to that little book of Huga. And it's spelled H-Y-G-G-E, by the way. It's very not American. Oh, I've heard of that now that you're spelling it. Yes. It's, it's very, it sounds to me too much like hookah, which yeah. can, <laughs> can be a not so good connotation. Yeah. Right. But it's, it's a great little read and it's kind of a manual for me um, in part because it, it talks about how to make a space feel very simple. It definitely leans towards a minimalist um, angle, although it's not to say you can only have 35 things in your home. It's not that extreme at all, but it addresses a lot of the simplistic bits. And I think it talks too about like how a fire can make your home feel especially good. So maybe a fireplace or a fire pit in the yard are ideal. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love, I want to read that book. I'm like sold. I want to hire you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I was just thinking we've done a few things in the last couple of years. I'm like, gosh, Christina, I wish I knew you a couple of years ago. Um, in my mind, I already have, it's already gone. <laughs> Outstanding. Um, so pivoting just a little bit, you know, I think one area, one thing I've noticed even for myself is if there's a room in the house that causes stress or anxiety for people, um, I think there's different theories on that that I've heard too, um, you know, even just your kitchen, for instance, or the clutter, um, what can you do to change the energy of the space and turn that emotion from being anxious to being more joyful? I think one of the most impactful things you can do is to look at your light. And I know that sounds simple and trivial, but if you can imagine how your space functions first, 
and sort of identify what you want to do in that space um, and write it down. I think you have to evaluate it and then think about how it needs to function. Is it relaxing or is it a home office where you need to be on and performing at a higher level? Figure that out, write those down and then look at your lighting and figure out if that complements it, I guess. Um, Obviously, you have to remove the things that you don't like or the areas of rub, but I think a lot of times people don't understand um, the breakdown of light bulb color temperature and what a big deal that is. There's some homes that I've walked into before that have bright white light that's like 4,000 to 5,000 Kelvin bulbs, and you feel like you're in an operating room. (laughs) And it really is... Uh, you you know you want to leave, but you're not necessarily aware of why. And so mm-hmm. I think changing your bulbs to suit the tasks at hand, for example, in the kitchen, I have bright white bulbs in my sunken recessed parts. And then in my drop lights above my island, I have a warmer soft white, which is more like um, a candle, if you will, so that when I'm doing big projects, I have my overhead bright lights on and and I can, you know, do all the projects that I need. And then when company walks in the door, those bright lights go off and the lower temperature bulbs are on. And by the way, dimmers rock. I'm all about dimmers. But having that sort of pulse of how the lighting is in each space and if it suits the thing you're trying to do and support it, I think is key. Hmm. And what about um, clutter and anxiety? Like I'm in my office right now. You can see a little bit in the background. My husband has one side. I have one side. My side is the neater side and the more organized side. His clutter makes me crazy. Yes. (laughs) But I have to work in here. Absolutely. I have the same problem, Ernie. Yeah. Well, I, I think decluttering is a big piece to the puzzle, but if you don't actually think through the source of how it's happening to begin with, you're going to make yourself crazy. And so I think once you've identified where the clutter comes from, my personal issue in the last place that we lived um, at a condo was paper and it was like all over the place all the time. Yes. And it made me so crazy. And it always ended up in the kitchen. And that was just that particular space. We did not have a mudroom there. And so I think identifying what your biggest offender is and then trying to source how you can change that behavior. So for example, if, if my issue is paper, I have now a two-tiered bin that has my initial and my partner's initial and all the paper goes in that bin for whomever it is that needs to handle that thing. And then we deal with it when we have time or when we need to, whether it's a permission slip for school or whatever, it goes in that bin with whomever is going to handle it. And then it doesn't get put into piles strewn about the house. So I think really looking at your own actions and the things that are the biggest offenders in each space. And then here's another piece to that puzzle. Whatever is cluttering your space doesn't even belong in that room because maybe it's another part of your home that's not functioning properly that is the reason why that clutter is getting into this other space to begin with. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are great points. And I think what you're saying is have a process. Otherwise, if you, you can declutter and be sort of at ground zero, you know, after you finish your decluttering project, but then the paper is going to continue to enter your house, right? It absolutely will. And so, so if, if you, you don't if have you, a process like the inbox, you know, scenario that you've mentioned. Absolutely. You've got to have some sort of um, marination process of why is this happening and how is it happening so that I can prevent it from happening in the future. Yeah. And we have some, we have a, a huge paper issue here. I mean, Stephanie and I have talked about that Talk before. About it. That's like very high on my list of one of the first things I want to kind of declutter and figure out how to do better. <laughs> I think you're not alone. I can imagine that so many people have that same issue. I I certainly did in in the last place that we lived. And so I addressed it when we built this home. I addressed it like straight ahead. We're not even Mm going to get that mail in the door before it's sorted. (laughs) So (laughs) the bins literally live in our mudroom so that, that they don't even come into the house until we're ready to deal with it. That's awesome. So, um, In the current environment right now, um, while we're all spending more time at home, many of us are decluttering, organizing rooms, closets, you know, maybe starting outdoor projects, um, home improvements. Before someone kind of jumps into a new project, what do you suggest they do to ensure that they achieve their desired outcome? And how can they create kind of that ideal space? I think that's a really good question. And I think that we're all used to immediate gratification. I love HGTV, but it can play a trick on our brains when seeing like the deconstruction and the rebuilding and the designing all happening in a 60 minute show. (laughs) (laughs) So I think really considering the bigger picture and long-term is important and also breaking down the bigger goal into doable bite-sized pieces, not rushing. So really taking a lot of time to figure out what all your options are, all the possible ideas that you can get your arms around, and then narrowing it down to what best suits your needs and your family and their passions for the long haul. I'm a really big fan of dual purpose and things that can do double duty. So for example, if you're really reimagining your landscaping. I know one of you mentioned to me before we started recording that you were thinking about doing some landscaping. When you take that into consideration, I would say, what else could we do out here in this space? And how can we plant, for example, to attract more hummingbirds? Or maybe we could have an outdoor yoga space that we leave open and literally measure your yoga mat And maybe if your daughter wants to do it as well, how much space does that need? And can we do plantings around that so that we have a room of sorts for meditation or yoga? And can we plant some plants that are going to attract butterflies? And how awesome would that be if you were doing yoga and there were all these awesome natural pollinators buzzing about? Oh my gosh, I love that. And, you know, I was the one that mentioned the the landscaping project. I'm like, gosh, outdoor yoga, meditation with butterflies swarming about. I mean, I may not need to leave my house ever. You know, that would just put me in this like Zen-like state forever. (laughs) Precisely. I think a lot of times people don't really imagine like what their ideal vacation is, looks like, feels like, sounds like. And then 
work backwards from that and say, but how could I not go on vacation and experience those same things right here? So if you really love a hammock and the idea of it, how could you incorporate that into your yard and not have to leave? I mean, it would just heighten the pleasure of your own space and your own yard and give it one more layer of functionality. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, that is amazing insight because I think so many of us rush off and we're always like thinking ahead to the next vacation. And that's the only time that we're truly, you know, relaxed or at peace is when we're on a beach somewhere or in the mountains or wherever. But if you really dive into and think about what elements around you help create that sense of joy and how to incorporate that into your home, that's, that's just brilliant. And it, it may cost the same amount as what you were planning to do before, but it's really about just considering the placement of the plants or the choice in what you are planting. And so to think that you could get so much more extra mileage out of the same dollar spent, I think is a really big deal. Well, and I love your idea of really taking it in bite-sized pieces because I, I mean, I definitely like immediate gratification. And the other day I was looking at my couch in my family room and I was like, we need new pillows. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm the type of person that will go on to like restoration hardware or whatever and be like, okay, I like that and that and that and order it. And okay, we have new pillows <laughs> without a lot of thought. And then maybe they'll come and I'm like, well, maybe they don't look so good in the space or whatever. Now, I think so many people are like that and, and I am equally guilty at times and I have to really pull the throttle back intentionally and go, okay, let's think about this. Can this be used in more than one space? Is this, you know, sometimes you could even choose a pillow that's um, indoor, outdoor, and so that you can use them in two spaces. And maybe you don't have to buy a second set of pillows for outdoors. I mean, it depends on what region that you live in, of course. But I mean, there's so many things you can take into consideration when you actually make a buying decision and before you pull the trigger. Yeah, those are such great practical tips. I love it. And you also mentioned the dual purpose space which I think is something, you know, just to share an example, I did that just within the last month. We had this like old toy room that I was trying to figure out how to get rid of the toys. My kids are um, older now. We were not using the space at all. And now with, you know, stay at home, I was having to do workouts at home and not going to local gyms. So I've created it. I've coined it now the creative movement room. So it's art and there's a whole table. My daughter, we've organized all her art stuff. And then it's movement because one, you can be creative with your movement, but now I've got some weights that I've purchased and um, using some things that I've had that I honestly, some weights I've had for 20 years that I've never touched. <laughs> and it makes me so happy to go down there now. I love that. So I, I think that's key is addressing the things that you need. I think so many times I've talked to people that say they want a bigger house or need a bigger house. And when I really get to the root of what they need and then ask, well, are you using all of your current home? How many times have you used this formal dining room? Well, we use it during the holidays, maybe twice. Okay. Let's rethink this. Do you mm -hmm. really have to buy a thousand square feet more home in order to accomplish the same thing. And wouldn't it feel good to use every bit of space for a very good reason every day? So I love that you're sort of reevaluating that. And by the way, if you go down the Pinterest hole, 
the rabbit hole <laughs> yes. on, on workout spaces or um, multi-purpose spaces, you can make, they, they can be so cute. It doesn't have to be just a purely functional space. They can be so adorable. I just the other day saw someone who made these um, hooks for their clip-on uh, spin shoes on the wall. I mean, it looked like a gym. It was adorable, but it was just her little space. Oh, I love that. I'm also, we, I've always had a little gym in my basement, but obviously with all the stay at home stuff, I've added to it as well. We have TRX now and some other things. And I was actually thinking yesterday that I wanted to paint some motivational um, language on the walls, which is not something I'd normally do in our like rec room basement. But I'm like, why the hell not? Like we can paint over it right now. I think that'd be motivating. Absolutely. So, or you could even geek out on, on the Pinterest world of gyms. What's your, go find what gyms just are gorgeous to you. And then like take those cues and emulate that because why not make it beautiful? I mean, to your point, just because it's a workout space or a garage doesn't mean it has to be purely functional and not aesthetically pleasing. I mean, you can sort of have both in the sandbox at once. Yeah, mm -hmm. Marty, I love that idea. I think we should do that together. I'm like, yes, I'm like so, so motivated cool. about it. <laughs> yes. We'll be looking for before and after shots on your group page. Exactly. Oh, that's, oh, that's a good, a good idea. idea. <laughs> I should have taken a before picture though. <laughs> Oh, well, um, speaking of like projects and things, um, what's the most unique project you've ever worked on? That's a good question. I honestly think that my answer is pretty lackluster because usually it's imagining how homes that someone has not yet bought could or wouldn't suit their lifestyle and how does that change in the next five years, six years, 10 years? I'm a big despite what you might think, I like to sell people homes that they're going to stay in for a long time. And I know that that's not typical for realtors per se, because the more times you want to buy or sell, the more times I get paid. But it's really about the long-term satisfaction and being able to envision how you're home can morph and change through seasons. And I don't mean like fall, spring, summer. And I also don't mean like teenager, midlife, senior citizen, but seasons as in, well, my life is shifting now because I'm working at home or we now are going to take in my elderly parent. So that's going to be a shift in how things happen around our house. We have another person in our home. So those sorts of seasons, I think, are important to think ahead on how things might happen and make sure that you're buying a home that can address different scenarios so that you aren't having to buy and sell every single time the wind ships. So and that's, I think that will keep you, like, I think your clients will really appreciate that about you. Um, I'm wondering, taking that a step further than if you don't have maybe a particular project, but what about um, an example of a project that you worked on with a client where 
the changes that you made in the space resulted in a positive impact on their energy or their emotions or the health of their home. Yeah. I actually got the most wonderful letter from a listener um, that I wanted to share with you. Her name is Molly and she lives in Washington state. And she wrote, yesterday I replaced the daytime lights in my hallway and great room with lower temperature bulbs. And I can't believe how much of an impact this one simple change has made. She said, my home satisfaction went up multiple points. And what was extra cool about this is that another listener saw her write that and then replied to her, yes, I did the same exact thing in my hallway last week. And I can't believe what a difference it makes in how I feel walking into my home. So I think for the price of a light bulb, it's so interesting how much that can make a change. Um, I also find it interesting that when I go and look at homes with clients, a lot of times they often comment how much they love a home with large windows. When we walk in, oh, I love the windows. I love how much light is in here. But then I think out of habit, sometimes people move in and cover them. Well, I would put these, these blinds in. I'll, I'll mm -hmm. hang these drapes. And it's like, whoa, do you even need any coverings on that window? It's high enough that no one could see in. Like, why do you have to cover it? So I really think, and, and the, the listeners that I have that listen to my podcast know I harp on light a lot. But any mental health person knows this to be true, how much light you get really plays a big role every single day on your mood and how you feel about the space that you're in. I so what about, yeah, yeah, me too. I, I love big windows and natural light. What about a room where there are no windows? What do you recommend in that scenario? That's a great question. I do think that having a variety of lights from different directions, so not just a big blast of light coming out of the ceiling in the center, but floor lamps. And um, also, here's another thing I wanted to, to plug. If you don't have that much greenery and you think that you can't grow something, you can replace one of your light bulbs with a grow light bulb. And that might be the difference between you having a gorgeous plant in this space and not. So it's simply a temperature difference. The cost is the same, but you can make the room and the space feel so much better by having lights at different levels in the room and hanging a mirror in a strategic location to help bounce that light around. And of course, everybody knows, let's not paint the room dark purple or black because <laughs> yeah. that, fur that further makes the light go away. Okay. So I haven't heard of this grow light bulb. Can you just explain a little bit more how that works? Absolutely. When you go into any store, even like a chain grocery type store, and you go into the light bulb aisle, you're going to see some that are specifically labeled grow light and they have them um, in not just the big long shop light versions, but like a screw in bulb. And it is the same temperature as the sun and you can put it above your plant and it will help it grow. It gives it the same vibe that the sun gives it and it literally can change a whole space and help plants grow so much better. So what I have is I have 
sunken lights in our main floor and in two of them over my fireplace where I have built-ins, it's where I have a lot of plants. I just swapped those two sunken bulbs in with grow light bulbs and my plants are so happy. Oh God. Well, I have a black thumb. I mean, I literally, I, I kill almost every plant. So maybe this would really help me. So could you put these light bulbs in a room in a basement that didn't get any light and yeah. put a plant down there? Yes. <gasps> yes. Oh my gosh. Cause that, I want a plant in my workout room now, my new a lot of, movement room. A lot of people um, will do like little greenhouses in their basements and they'll start their tomatoes and their spice right. gardens in Minnesota. Like we yes. can't plant until May. So a lot of people will start the season off with those grow lights because you can get them that don't even screw in. You can get all different kinds of them. And there's one there's one called a grow bar that I love and it's flush. It's flat and flush and small. And I put it inside one of my built-in bookshelves downstairs to start seeds to your point. Mm -hmm. And so it's aesthetically pleasing because it's minimal. It goes away. You don't even see it because it's flush. But yet when it's time spring to grow things, I can get them all started and it's like the best thing ever because you don't even know it's there during the normal time of year. The biggest issue that I have with plants in the house, and I, I'm, I'm the opposite of Stephanie, I love plants, I try and keep them all around, but when I try and take care of them, the water and the mess and the dirt always gets all over my things. <laughs> I don't know if you have any tips about that. In the kitchen, it's fine because I can wipe it up easily, but like in the family room where there's wood or in my office or some of these other places, it gets a little tricky. I agree. I think that there's two things I would say about that. One is really amazing, the technology, that, that how much that you can, I'm going to start that over. I think it's amazing how many real plants, how many fake plants look real these days. They've come so far. My mother used to have fake plants and I used to just gag because they were so obviously fake. And I have found several for staging homes that look so real. By the way, my mother watered one and it wasn't real. <laughs> That you can totally get away with, especially one that's high up or out of the way that you wouldn't be able to easily water. There's so many now that look so real um, that that's definitely an option. But I think others, depends on the plant that you have. I have a few palms that are very easily maintained, don't take a lot of water. I think it really depends on um, the space that you're trying to fill, whether it's vertical or horizontal, whether it's a hanging scenario or not. And if you have one that's especially messy, just rehome it, put it in a different room or in a different space and, and get something that's less high maintenance. Yeah, that's good advice. Those are great tips because I, I have lots of plants around, but they don't last. And so I, I need to I need to be better with the maintenance. Maybe this light could help too. I totally think you should try a light and I can't I'm wait going to hear to. what happens. <laughs> and we'll link this up in the show notes because I think a lot of people will be interested in that. They have Absolutely. That. And I'll send you a picture too of the grow bar so that you know um, what that looks like and we can source it as well. That's awesome. So we love to leave our listeners with practical advice um, that they can start to implement You know, today, this week. Can you share with us any advice that you have on how they can kind of start to create space in their homes that will bring them more joy and peace? 
Yeah. I think what is happening in your home is very important, including, including how it functions, how you feel in the space, and whether you are feeling frustration and stress or pleasure and support. So I think really taking a step back and understanding what your goals are in the space and how successful or not you are in each room. I think you have to, I knew someone very wonderful, former boss of mine who used to say, Christina, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So I think you have to absolutely take each room or even each part of each room and sort of itemize it out and address each of those things separately. Whether you are pleased with that space aesthetically, whether you are pleased with that space as far as how it functions, or whether you're just out of room and you need to figure out how you can make more use out of the same space, I think are all good questions. So I think that introspection and asking yourself those questions is the first step in really making a good change to your space. I think that's super helpful. And I think you've, you've peppered in quite a few very practical, easy swaps, like we talked about with the light bulbs that has a, a far-reaching impact on, on your home. Um, so Christina, where can people find you, you know, as far as social media, your website, working with you? You talked about the fact that you work with people virtually. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, you can obviously subscribe to the Home Space and Reason podcast, um, which of course you can listen anywhere, but you can also visit my website and that's simply spaceandreason.com. Um, and then you'll see tabs there, buy, sell, and imagine. So if you were interested in that virtual space consult, you'd click on the imagine tab. Um, and you can also follow me on social media under the same handle at space and reason. Awesome. Thank you. And we'll obviously link all that up in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, you bet. Um, and, you know, one of the things we like to ask our guests as we wrap up is, what does the art of living well mean to you? It's such a good question. I geek out on that. I relish deep thought and reflection about why people feel the way they do and why some people just seem naturally more successful and happier. I always joke to my real estate clients that you've made it when you have the same number of bathrooms as you have people in your household, because if you all get food poisoning, there's nothing more luxurious at the moment than a bathroom for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, funny. that's just a silly little joke, but in all seriousness, I think living well means that you have the space and means to do the things that light you up. If you love nothing more to bake, then my hope for you is that you have enough kitchen to stretch your wings in and really have good quality time in there so that you can go as far down that rabbit hole as you'd like and geek out to your heart's content, you know? That's awesome. I yeah. love how you said, have the space and means to do the things that light you up. Like that's, who doesn't want that? Absolutely. Right. <laughs> I, think, I think living well means your home is functioning well and it's an extension of the personalities that reside there. That's, that's so insightful um, and just really great insight for people to start to reflect and figure out what lights them up and brings them joy within their home. I mean, I think that's key. When you move into a space, if you don't really consider any of it, how do you expect then 
for it to work for you and for you to be pleased with it if you haven't had the time to really put into it. I mean, what you put in, you'll get back out for sure. Well, thank you so much for this conversation today. It's been really fun, actually. You know, such, it's such a fun interview. So I've different. had a blast. <laughs> Um, and so we'll link up all this information in the show notes. You guys should go out there and subscribe to the Home Space and Reason podcast to get more just very, you know, practical, but also um, insightful tips and strategies from Christina. Wonderful. Thanks so much for having me, ladies. This was so fun. Thank Have you. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. We are so excited that we created these fabulous new products for our listeners to support our podcast. Yeah, we have two new recipe books, and one is curated for families, so there's lots of family-friendly recipes that both kids and adults will love. I've made these recipes for my family, and everyone enjoys them. And then we have a second recipe book for those that want plant-based foods, and maybe you're already eating vegan, or maybe you're just trying to incorporate more vegetables and plants into your diet. They both have shopping lists and they're made with ingredients that you can find at almost any grocery store. You don't need to go to like a specialty store to find these ingredients. And we also created a Minneapolis Healthy Restaurant Guide and we're really excited about it. We want to support our local restaurants and um, it's really meant for you to find little gems in town that maybe you didn't know about. It gives you a chance to eat healthy out in a restaurant. Um, the food is delicious at these places. They're sourcing local sustainable foods and we're just really excited to support our local healthy restaurant community. And then the last product that we created is our favorite Art of Living Well podcast water bottle. It's 24 ounces. You may have heard us talk about this on stories. Um, because it serves both hot and cold beverages. There's a straw, you can use it or use it without the straw. And it's perfect for on the go at home, wherever, and it'll help keep you hydrated. So we'd love for you to try our products and support our podcast. As our listeners, you can head on over to our website, which is www.theartoflivingwell.us slash products and order yours today. Maybe even give one as a gift. And also just to let you know, we priced all of these products um, pretty low so that everybody could enjoy them. $7 per guide, $20 for the water bottle, and we'd love your support. Thank you so much for listening to the Art of Living Well podcast. We are so grateful that you joined us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or anyone else you think may benefit from this information. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and tag the Art of Living Well podcast on social media. If you want more inspiration in between episodes, you can find us on social media at the Art of Living underscore well on Instagram and Facebook, where we will share snippets from our daily lives and our journey to living well.